Well, the UN's annual climate conference is inching forward, but not without controversy. COP28 President Sultan al-Jaba has walked back earlier comments where he said there's a lack of science behind the need to phase out fossil fuels to limit temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius. This comes as countries are considering a, quote, phase out of fossil fuels rather than a phase down, as preferred by some. This is according to the draft negotiating text, but according to the Global Carbon Budget Report released yesterday, CO2 emissions from coal, oil and gas rose 1.1% in the last year. Well, climate reporter Rod Oram joins us now from Dubai. Well, Rod, that uh, Global Carbon Budget Report showing there is still a lot of work to be done How optimistic are you from what you've seen that this conference will address some of this? The major hurdle is still the big petrostates and the big oil and gas companies. And they're making it very clear that they have no intention of reducing their investment, let alone their production, uh, in fossil fuels. And the message is coming across particularly strongly from countries like Saudi Arabia. Its energy minister said this uh, today, that he'd be absolutely, um, completely opposed to any kind of talk of phase out or phase down. And because here in these United Nations negotiations, everything has to be agreed by every country, it only takes one country to hold out that then that proposition can't go ahead. And so it's not just Saudi Arabia, it would be Russia as well. So that's why it's such a monumental task for the UAE, a petrol and gas, petrol state themselves, um, to be president of this negotiations, trying to navigate through this. One of the options in this draft text, which is obviously now doing the rounds for people to try and agree on, is to have no mention of the phase-out or phase-down. Do you think that is a real possibility? Um, I think that would be such a complete cop-out. It was very interesting that of the three options, uh, on that third one, there was a square bracket against it, no text. Um, So that means that that leaves open the possibility of putting something in there that might make some progress. But, of course, that would still be grossly inadequate because it is only a, a rapid um, reduction in fossil fuel production and em- emissions um, that is going to help get us um, anywhere on climate. So that's how absolutely consequential this COP negotiation is. And I think this next week, um, through to the um, closing date Tuesday of next week, uh, it'll probably go on some days beyond that, um, is um, going to be very, very, very fraught. Rod, you've been to a number of COP uh, summits. What is your feeling about the momentum uh, from the NGOs, the people who you talk to around the edges of this conference and those involved about progress, about whether or not this year might see some breakthroughs? Um, there is a great sense of trepidation, um, but, um, but however, the organisations that fight back against this, whether they be NGOs or whether it be very committed countries, so for example the EU and its 27 member countries, um, has come out very, very strongly for a phase out of fossil fuels, and they're obviously a very big negotiating block. Um, I've never seen um, people committed to these issues um, so focused, um, so fired up. Um, and um, so there is um, an energy and intensity here um, that's uh, greater than I've seen at previous COPs. It's also a very big COP. There's now more than 100,000 people here. 
that sounds like a completely bizarre number, um, but I, I won't try to explain why there's logic in that. Um, but this is literally a hooey of humanity, not just governments, not just businesses, not just NGOs, um, but cultural organizations and every kind of representation in civil society you could imagine, intensely focused on these issues. So there is an extraordinary um, energy and focus here um, that uh, I think transcends um, other recent COPs. That's why I say the thing that everybody's holding on to here is trying to make this the most consequential COP yet. New Zealand's obviously got a new government and they are taking some time to get their feet under the desk. The climate climate change minister is uh, due there possibly tomorrow, I think, Simon Watts. Uh, Big job ahead of him, uh, signalling that perhaps New Zealand may well yet sign up to this tripling of renewable energy uh, capacity. What is your sense about the task ahead for New Zealand at this COP? Um, It is um, always a big challenge to be a small country, um, and particularly when uh, this COP is happening just as the change of government, and so the new one is just getting itself bedded into the job. However, there's no um, hiding the fact um, that what um, the three parties that formed this government campaigned on were uh, add up to some very serious backward steps um, in our um, climate plans. So, for example, the um, Nationals um, policy of overturning the ban on offshore oil and gas exploration flies completely in the face of these big issues here about no more investment in new production and and new fields, uh, but also makes no economic sense for us um, because um, uh, we can still explore for oil and gas in Taranaki onshore and offshore, and that's where we've found all our commercially um, viable production in the past. There is no way that New Zealand is going to attract new oil and gas investment by reversing this ban um, because there are far better places, easier to get to, um, less challenging um, uh, geology, less challenging um, terrain, less challenging seas um, to find oil and gas. And and therefore, New Zealand is about to do itself a lot of damage for backtracking for no conceivable purpose. Just finally, the other issue that that has come up is this issue of uh, climate commitments, pledges, money. Uh, are we seeing the money flow in and will it go to the right places, the countries that need it? Yes, um, the very big breakthrough was on loss and damage um, and it was astonishing that after years of developed countries refusing to take up that issue at COP, it finally got onto the agenda at last year's COP and then a lo- um, even though there was only a skeletal plan about how to bring that into action by the time uh, that it got onto the table here, that was agreed the first day. I think that was partly because the uh, UAE, as a petrostate, as um, chair of COP, as president of COP, was keen to get some um, early wins um, into the, um, uh, in, uh, and it got one there, and money has started to flow there. The other big uh, area that uh, the UAE has been pushing on it, it, Dubai is determined to be um, a green um, finance capital uh, of some proportions, a, a real-world centre. And therefore, it's been driving um, um, a big push to get more um, private sector investment into energy um, transitions, into clean technology and all the rest. And so by last count, um, kind of midday today, about $60 billion 
dollars of new money um, has been committed in those areas. So we're starting to see um, quite a good shift in finance. But this is why um, uh, a, um, a declaration on fossil fuels and the phase out of them is really important because that would be a very clear signal to investors as to where mm. to put their money in the future. Um, and similarly for countries as they work on their, their next iteration of their own national commitments, um, they would really focus their minds too. So that's why... Um, Rod, I'll leave it there. But thank you very much for your analysis. Uh, that is very much uh, appreciated. That is climate reporter Rod Orham with a wrap of uh, the latest from the UN's annual climate conference uh, that uh, is COP28.